Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 142, A Conversation with Angela Pohl. Angela was initially on the podcast back in September 2021, and she was sharing her story of being diagnosed with breast cancer in early 2021. And she is back today to talk a little bit about life after active treatment and what she has been doing. To tell you a little bit about her, she was diagnosed with a HER2 positive breast cancer. She underwent neoadjuvant chemotherapy with TCHP. She had a bilateral mastectomy without reconstruction, adjuvant radiation, and then completed a year of CATSILA after surgery due to residual disease. Angela is an ultra marathon runner. And when she was initially diagnosed, she had been training for a hundred mile ultra marathon and she had to put that on hold, but was able to run through her entire treatment. Although her running did look quite different. She's now done with active treatment and is back to running and full steam and marathon training. And she's back today to talk about her experience with transitioning to a plant-based diet. And this is something that I get a lot of questions on. People are nervous about making the switch, how to make the switch. They're worried about getting enough protein and, and so many other concerns. And Angela breaks it all down for us. This is a great conversation for anyone who is interested in incorporating a little bit more plant-based eating into their lifestyle and hearing about life after active treatment. It is wonderful to speak to Angela. Again, we actually had the honor of meeting in person back in 2022 when we were both coincidentally in Florida and we went for a great run. It's always wonderful to meet people that you've connected with online in person. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. And with that, it is my honor to welcome Angela Pohl back to the Interlude podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Angela, it's so good to be uh, talking to you again. Yes, I'm excited to be on again and to see you. Um, so we had, it was almost, it was like a little after a year that we had our run in Florida. Yes, that worked out so miraculously. I loved it. That um, was really fun. Yeah, we just happened, I happened to see in your stories that you were in Miami for a conference and I was down there visiting family mm -hmm. and at some events down there. So that just, that was just perfect how that worked out. I know we had a great run and a walk and then we got coffee I mean, it was just such a great like morning. Um, so I'm happy, I'm so excited to be here talking with you again. So for those people who are new, who may not know your story, just give us a little bit of an overview of what you did go through and treatment and all of that. 
Okay, um, let's see. I was 46 at the time that I was diagnosed in January 2021. Um, I had actually felt a lump much earlier during the pandemic, but this was kind of at the time when we were in lockdown. And then for a long time, I just put off going into any medical facilities and just kind of thought, well, you know, I'll just wait until this, I'll just wait until that. And meanwhile, I was running, I was running a lot and I was running the best of my life. Like I was setting new personal records and every distance. And so part of that partially kind of held me back from going in to find out anything because how could it be, you mm -hmm. know, cancer if I'm doing so well yeah. physically and I feel so fit, it just, plus, you know, I was kind of in denial the whole time. Um, by the time I went in, um, I was diagnosed at stage three and it was invasive ductal carcinoma, um, hormone negative, HER2 positive. And so we started with uh, six rounds of TCHP chemo, um, followed by a double mastectomy. Um, and I opted not to do reconstruction to stay flat. And um, let's see, I think when I spoke with you on the podcast, it was I think it was around August or September. Yeah. Um, and so I had already had surgery and was just starting um, or maybe I was in radiation at the time, which I had 20 rounds of radiation. And then um, after surgery, uh, I did have residual uh, cancer cells. And unfortunately, the location of them was uh, on my actual rib bone. So the um, tumor had invaded through the chest wall onto the rib bone. So because of that, you know, the radiation was critical. Um, and I did have, uh, I think it's LVI, the lymphomastic mm -hmm. invasion, yep. Yeah, and so they recommended that I have CADSILA, um, which is standard for following up as a second line of chemo. And so that was um, 14 rounds and every three weeks. So that took me to almost exactly a year ago um, was my last session. And I ran through all of it. So, and that's, I mean, I think that's, not as easy as you make it out to be. And I know we talked a lot about it wasn't what, easy. what running looked like and, you know, how you had to modify and how to, how you had to adapt. And I was, I will say like, I, I was always really impressed that you just kind of kept going, you know, even if it was slower and I know you were walking with friends and it was hard because it was still COVID and like, there was just so many right. things. So kind of after finishing Catsila, you know, I think some, this misconception comes up a lot um, and that people feel, and I see this in my practice and that you're kind of, yeah, you're done with treatment and everything should just go right back to normal and right back. Your body should just feel like a hundred percent. And we know that's not true, but what was your experience with that, you know, finishing active treatment and, you know, kind of that, what, what came after that? Um, let's see. So all through Katsila, I would say I 
had mild side effects, or at least I felt like it was pretty mild at the time. Um, and, you know, I dealt with them, but it, I was on it for so long that I think I just didn't remember what it was to feel more normal until yeah. after I did finish. And I didn't realize like how much fatigue and bloating and not, you know, some nausea as well that I, I just had for such a long time that afterwards there was this, um, this time period where I did feel really fantastic and, um, you know, was just glad and maybe part of it was mental as well, just to know that I wasn't putting more into my body. Um, and I guess it kind of coincided with my decision to try plant-based eating, which was, um, so as you, you probably know from following me on Instagram, I love experimenting on myself with, you know, different, uh, you know, I try, I wear all different kinds of gear to track my heart rate and my, my resting heart rate, my, you know, variability, all that kind of stuff. And I'll try different interventions, whether it's like in my running with gels and um, different hydration. So I just, that's what I love to do. And so one thing I wanted to do was um, to switch to a plant-based diet just to see as a challenge to myself if I could do that um, while I trained for another marathon, which was the Chicago Marathon. And it was just going to be a couple months of experimenting, but it was just going to be for fun. So I I actually started that before my last chemo okay. and I, I waited till there was one chemo left so that I would be able to see a difference because otherwise if I waited till after chemo, then how would I know if I felt better or that was just because yeah. I don't have more chemo, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's why I, I decided to start in uh, May. So part of how I felt afterwards, I attribute to that switch to the plant-based eating, but it's hard for me to tell like how much is because no longer in chemo versus, um, you know, a, a major, major change in diet. So what, um, did, but, what did it look like to change to a plant-based diet? Cause I, again, that's one of those things too, that if you're not really in it, it's hard you don't, or you don't have a family member or friend who's really doing it, it's hard to know where to start. Yeah, so actually, I learned a lot from you <laughs> and um, some other podcasts that I'd listened to just about, well, that motivated me for one, just understanding that um, a plant-based diet, you know, all the benefits that there can be from it. And so I guess I, I started out just like learning a lot, like whether it was following um, different uh, accounts on Instagram or um, watching YouTube channels mm -hmm. about uh, like cooking plant-based and trying to get an idea um, about that. So I did that for a while while I just kind of observed and watched how to do that. Um, I, because I was also going to be training for a marathon, I knew I had to be extra careful to make sure I was still getting the right nutrients. I didn't mm -hmm. want to yeah. underfuel. So I, I actually read several books about, um, plant, 
plant-based running or plant-based athletes just to educate myself before I even started any of this. Um, I, the first switch that I made um, was actually with milk because, um, I, and I think I even switched that while I was still in, in chemo treatments mm. as well. Because I had heard you um, and other sources talking about, you know, cow's milk versus, well, maybe you could try, you know, replacing that with and try some of the other kinds. So I had already made that switch, but I was predominantly a meat eater um, and not just meat, but like beef, red meat, steaks, mm -hmm. burgers, you know, I would always yeah, all the all the things like all of the things. <laughs> and, um, and I, as a runner, you know, I would also eat, I wouldn't say a lot of processed foods, but I also didn't hold back. And I would eat a lot more than probably a normal person just because I'm always running. And, you know, I'm, if I see that, oh, donuts, great, you know, just everything, yep. just eat mm -hmm. everything. <laughs> so, um, so for me, um, changing i i opted to do it pretty drastically <laughs> like i tend to be uh all in you know kind of person mm -hmm. and it fit for me with um, making the switch and telling myself that this is just temporary um because that helped me i actually had tried to switch to vegan like years before when when that one um documentary yes um, I, I know what you're talking about years, yeah. mm -hmm. whatever year that was that that came out I decided all right I'm gonna try this and I let and I went all in and lasted three days and then completely quit for you know another <laughs> however long it was out and so I knew that about myself and I knew that the reason it didn't work before was because I was kind of like, well, I already ruined it by eating this, so I'm just going to quit now. Um, so that was what happened before. So this time I did, I can't say that I eased into it other than the, uh, the plant-based milk, but this time, of course, I had a much um, stronger motivation, just my own health. And the reason... I decided to try even was because of the type of the subtype that I have uh, with the HER2 positive, but hormone negative does not have any ongoing treatment, you know, like mm -hmm. with someone with yeah. hormone positive, you know, they'll have yeah. some other drug to, to carry them on. So this for me in June of, uh, well, last year, it just kind of felt like, okay, well, we're done. We're just going to hope for the best and, you know, no ongoing uh, interventions, yeah. you know, to try to help prevent any recurrence or anything like that. And so because, uh, and I was already exercising plenty and, you know, we know how exercise can help as well. So for me, that was, that was kind of my ongoing medicine, I'll say, in making a switch, because for me, um, that was uh, a big change. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, kind of a couple of points from what you said was, it's not an all or nothing. You know, I think 
everyone we we all do this we all are like all right well it didn't work so you know that's it right like or it's like when people are trying to exercise right. and they're like well I didn't do it today so like that's it I'm not going to do it again and I think that part of it is you take those baby steps and you can it, and I think what I really like about the term plant-based is that you can um you don't it's not a hundred percent so you can still have a hamburger you can still eat that steak right it's what are you doing predominantly um, and we know, and as much as people hate to hear it, but alcohol is a carcinogen, processed mm-hmm. meat, red meats are carcinogens. And we want, we don't have to eliminate them, but we want to limit. Um, and I think that's where substituting and trying some plant-based options can be really great. So, you know, for someone who, like you, who was eating a lot of meat and red meats and processed meat, what did you eat in its place? Um, Yeah, so I was such a predominantly meat eater that I would say almost every single meal used to have either meat or dairy, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it was lunch meat with a sandwich or Mm -hmm. something like it was very meat centered. Um, And then I did also eat a lot of fruits, some vegetables, I'd say, but they were always a side dish. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I had to, because I thought I needed the protein, like, and that's where you get protein. I thought, you know, was from meat sources. Mm -hmm. And as an athlete, you know, I want, I was weightlifting and running a lot of miles and I wanted to make sure, you know, I was strong and healthy with that. So, um, so the immediately, like what I would do is instead of where I would have say chicken on a stir fry, I went with uh, tofu, um, some seitan as well. And I mean, the tofu is probably the biggest substitute that I had. And then I also started trying more things like, um, beans, lentils, you know, just experimenting a lot because a lot of these foods I had never really tried before. Um, uh, soy curls, um, things like that. And tempeh, not as often, but sometimes that as well as a as a meat source. I try as much as I can to stay away from the, um, what do they call them? Like the meat analogs or um, yeah like the uh, the more processed forms like impossible you know the impossible burgers and that yeah. kind of thing well and I think that's something- while I'll have that you know in if it's that's all they have at a restaurant or you know something like that but yeah, yeah. it's fine we find that it's hard to find sometimes really healthy vegan options at yes. restaurants um and you kind of are stuck with the beyond burger but but I think it's important to point out that you can be an unhealthy vegan um, and yeah. I, I think that there's this, you know, sometimes it's like, just because it is vegan or it says non-dairy on it, it can have a ton of other stuff like non-dairy ice cream is still full of like, and it's good. I mean, I love non-dairy ice cream, but it's not something that like is a healthy substitute that we can eat all the time. Yeah. I think that was one of the, the learnings that I had as well. So this, it kind of evolved where, Um, When I first made the switch, you know, I had heard you and a lot of other sources talk about the best being whole food, plant based. So whole foods. So that's what I did 
at, you know, the very, very start. And I was going to be like all, you know, (laughs) everything. And um, so I, I did do that. And I have to say, I felt fantastic. Like I had so much energy and it, it seemed to be fine with my running, although, um, you know, you have to be careful around, like, if you're going to be doing a really long run, like, that's when you might want to go with more simple carb options rather than, like, tons and tons of fiber, because mm-hmm. that can cause other problems with, with sports. Um, but so in the in the very beginning, the first couple months, I'd say like I went very clean and because I was the all in type, mm-hmm. but then as marathon training um, kept going on and, you know, it was just wasn't as convenient to, to cook every single meal, then I started like looking for convenient options. And so sometimes it was like, oh, the frozen section, this is a, you know, this says vegan on it and it, the marketing makes it look healthy. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, just like the, the vegan version of, chicken and you know everything has a substitute so I definitely went through a phase where I was using a lot of that to try to get you know my protein sources from that and I and actually then I kind of went back and didn't feel so great and maybe it was because I had that juxtaposition of when I was eating very cleanly with the whole foods and then um and then realizing like I feel kind of gross after eating some of the the fake Mm -hmm. meats and that kind of thing. And so I, that's when I kind of realized like, oh, right. So just because it's vegan, you know, you could, you could eat all Oreos and Doritos and, you know, things like that. And they're vegan. Yeah. And, (laughs) and I think it's all about how do you feel, like you said, right. Do you have energy? you feeling good or are you feeling tired and sluggish because you can feel that way on a vegan diet because it also is all about the other stuff in it's about our sleep and our movement and hydration and stress levels and it's nothing is in a silo you can have the healthiest diet but if you are not sleeping or taking care of yourself right you're not going to feel great yeah absolutely and as so now it's been a year later, how, are, are you committed to being plant based fully or are you kind of, uh, you know, getting some of the other stuff in there? So what happened was, as I mentioned, I originally like kind of what got me started and building the habits was mm-hmm. telling myself truly that this was just a, an experiment. And just until I finished the Chicago Marathon. And I just wanted to see if it was possible to train, to successfully train and not, you know, get injured because you're not fueling enough and, you know, things like that. So I wanted to prove to myself that it was possible. Um, But after I finished and I, I did actually feel a lot more energetic and I felt fantastic. So I decided to continue after that. Um, I, I won't say I'm a hundred percent vegan because, you know, if, if a friend is going to make a, a baked treat and I know that it has eggs, you know, whatever. So it's, and it's not, I mean, I'm trying not to be like, Oh, I can't, I can't do this or I can't do that. So it's not about restricting necessarily, but 
I, I'm trying to be open-minded in terms of like trying new things and not getting into like this habit of, okay, well, I always have this and I always have, you know, this food. I want to keep trying um, new vegetables, new dishes, and I'm trying to um, make it more like an adventure, like learning how to cook period, <laughs> learning how to cook, but learning how to cook plant-based is a whole other, you know, level. Yeah. And I think, you know, I find for me, like my husband is fully vegan. Um, but for me, I kind of, I'm like an 80%. I love fish. I love fish like once or twice a week. And I'm not going to necessarily like willingly have something with cheese, but like if I'm somewhere and that's, I'm at a party or at a restaurant, like I'll order it. So, and that kind of, I think, I'm, I'm not an all or nothing person like that, I think helps me not crave anything and feel like I'm going to have, you know, if there's no non-dairy ice cream, I'll have regular ice cream. Yeah, I mean, and I have from time to time, but sometimes for me, it is, it is easier to, to not have that option, you know, yeah. of saying, mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll just order this because that's what's on the menu. Like, I almost need to have a mindset where I I want to take that extra step and I know I'm going to this restaurant with friends. And so instead of just saying, oh, I'm just, I'll order whatever fish or chicken and it's only on the weekend, it's fine kind of thing. And I know it would be fine if I did, but I, because I want to try to keep this lifestyle, yeah. you know, and, and continue with it, I will... Um, take the time to look at the menu beforehand and I look at like what kind of ingredients are in some of their dishes if I don't see something that's explicitly yeah. you know this is for uh, this is the vegan option and usually there's only a couple you know. yeah a couple is being generous for some restaurants yeah yeah exactly um, and then so then I'll kind of study it and at first it was kind of it was difficult because and it was actually stressful in the beginning like trying to figure out like, okay, what am I going to order? And I don't want to make a big scene. I don't want to, you know, be a big pain to the the waiter or waitress. But, um, and then I started realizing like, okay, you can, you can almost come up with your own dish, like yeah. with some of the sides, or if you see like this dish says it has avocado and this one has, you know, this. So I know that they have it back there. And then, you know, I'll kind of come up with my own thing if I don't see, you yeah. know, something yeah. that's obvious. So that's, um, you know, something that I've had to adjust to. Um, and do you, are you familiar with the Happy Cow app? Yes. Mm-hmm. But tell so, us about that. Yeah, so it was, I can't remember where I learned about it, but I downloaded this app called Happy Cow, and it's kind of a crowdsourced, like you create an account, and then um, wherever you're traveling to, like even if it's in an airport, I think you can even put in specific airports, and other people have put in like uh they've rated you know meals that they've had at various restaurants so it's not necessarily vegan only restaurants or vegetarian restaurants it can just be a normal restaurant with some dishes and then you can um it's like i guess like yelp you know <laughs> that kind of thing 
Um, so that's been helpful as well. Like if I travel to a new city and I can look at that ahead of time and kind of scout out some places that I might want to try as well. Yeah. And I find that, I mean, I think my husband's kind of the same way as you, like he really isn't all or nothing. That's what helps him like maintain and sustain it. Um, and I think it can be hard, but what we've learned, you know, I think when we first started going out, you know, he really was like, oh, I don't want to ask. I don't want to like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do anything. And, and so he would just eat like this sad, plain bowl of pasta, you know, like, and it was just like <laughs> yeah. $20. I mean, you bought like eight boxes of, you know, spaghetti for that price. Um, and then I think now I think we've kind of gotten better about picking the restaurants that have better options, but also like you said, mixing and matching and like um, asking like, okay, can you take the vegetables you obviously have them, right? If they're on this dish. Um, and I think recognizing that you are, as someone going there to eat, you're not the only person who's ever requested a vegan option. They might just not have it on the menu, but many restaurants actually say, oh, we can make you this. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think most places I've ever gone, like they're, if you ask, they are very accommodating. I haven't had I don't recall any like rude responses just for asking. So. No. And I, and I, it's interesting to me too, like, and you travel a lot also, like have we've noticed that in different parts of the country, there are, there are different levels of what you can get. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, most of the bigger cities, at least there are so many, op it's almost overwhelming how many options, you know, there can be. So, um, yeah, I, I do tend to have a say in where we go or where we meet up to eat, you know, because um, yeah. I, I just want to make sure that I do have my options there. But but yeah, some some places I have gone that um, aren't as urban, it, it can be a challenge, though. And sometimes like if I'm going on a road trip, for example, and I know like, okay, rest stops probably aren't going to have that many great options. Like then unlike how I was before and I would just see what was there, I will actually prepare my own thing, you know, just, and then bring it like in, you know, cooler if I need to, yeah. or, you know, something like that. Well, and I think in general, I mean, I do think airports are getting better in terms of what they have in terms of healthier options, but it used to be and it still is. And I think in a lot of the smaller airports that like the only thing you can get is like a piece of pizza or like a muffin. And it's really hard, I find, to get healthy options at either airports or rest stops or things like that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and so what about running? What are you training for right now? I am. I just started training for the Chicago Marathon again. I did get in through the lottery and it's good because last year I kind of um, messed up my own fueling and hydration strategy. I had a whole strategy planned, but on the day it wasn't as warm as what I practiced yeah. you know, all through the mm -hmm. summer. And I not only did I not adjust for that, I kind of doubled down in the wrong direction. <laughs> And just totally oversalted myself. And that that didn't that led to a lot of walking. So I kind of feel like this year I I'm going for some redemption in that and hoping to make a, a big improvement over my time from last year.
do you feel like your running is kind of back to pre-cancer or is it still kind of more in that post-treatment space? Um, it is coming back. It is definitely not where I was before. And to be honest, I don't know if I'll you know, I don't know for sure if I'll ever get back to where I was before I put my body through all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But and the other thing is, it's it's a couple years on. I'm older. Um, I think one thing that I didn't really um, anticipate was just the body changes, um, you know, body composition changes that I mean, I kind of attribute partially to the treatment, but also just changes in hormones. And um, that I think has also affected my running more than I anticipated <laughs> that it would. Um, so the, my paces aren't back, but at the same time, um, I can't remember if I talked about it on the previous podcast, but when I went through chemo, I decided I was going to reset all of my running PRs so that I could chase all new ones. So at this point, it is kind of fun to, um, you know, set a post-cancer PR of like some some major improvement, like some dramatic improvements. And it just makes it more fun that way. No, and do you, and this may sound like a weird question, but do you care that you're not back to where you were? And I say this in a positive way. In the Like some people really have a hard time figuring out who they are after cancer or comparing that to who they were. And then other people are like, nope, this is me. And you know what, that's hot, that stuff maybe didn't matter. Like, where do you fall into all of that? Um, I think I probably care more than most on that scale yeah. that you're talking about. I mean, pre, pre-diagnosis, um, you know, I was at the top of my game and I had, I had this plan already because a, uh, like some of my improvement was due to mindset and I had gone through this whole mental journey in 2019 and 2020 where I really like overcame a lot of issues that I was having and it unlocked like this whole other mental game um, in my running. And so 2021 was supposed to be the year that, you know, I either qualified for Boston or I did something significant. And then I was going, you know, I had like, I had it all mapped out. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that didn't pan out so well. So part of me that still wants to go back to my original goals. And well, the good thing about, for example, Boston qualifying is the older you get, like you get to, to be in different age groups and then the times get slightly easier, but your body is older. So that's not, you know, to be discounted. And I honestly, I feel like, the chemo treatments and just everything that my body's been through and the way that my heart, um, sometimes I feel like I can't push as hard as I used to be able to. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's a physical thing or it might be mental. Like I'm not willing to, you know, just push my body that hard anymore. Um, and when I say that I ran during chemo, um, I was very careful, and this was just something that I 
um, decided for myself. Like I almost always kept my heart rate like um, on the easy effort. And so like no higher than 145 beats per minute, for example, which for me at the time was still like zone one and two heart rate, like mm. if you Garmin device. Um, so pretty easy running. And then if I would see that it would go higher than that, I would either walk or, you know, just slow down my running. And that was just, I didn't want to push myself while I was going through, you know, the chemo treatments, um, just so that my, I always paid attention to like my, my resting heart rate. Um, I used a whoop device to make sure mm. that I was recovering and sleeping enough, like, so that I could both recover from the treatments and the running. Um, so I don't know if what I'm experiencing now is more of a, you know, because maybe it aged my body, you know, accelerated some of the aging, or at least that's what it feels like when I'm running. Or, um, you know, it could be mental that I just haven't really done as, as much of the harder training in yeah. the last two or three years. And just being out of practice because that's a whole other game to like put yourself in the pain cave and maintain it, you know, for all that time. Um, for that, would I do it in order to, you know, get a PR short? <laughs> I probably would, but I'm so out of practice at this point. So it's like, that's what training is for though, is to help you learn to, to push through that. Mm -hmm. In with the cat silo, one of the most common side effects is neuropathy. Is that something that you experienced? Um, I def during treatment itself, I uh, with cat silo and the um, the taxol and uh, carboplatin, I did have some peripheral neuropathy, but for me, it was more of a tingling um, kind and occasionally I do still feel a little bit of tingling in my fingers I would say um it did get better I would say a couple months after I finished the treatment but um that was kind of the extent of it and I did do the um the cryo what do you call it with the yeah. the ice mittens yeah. and the yeah. ice socks so I didn't do cold capping, but I did want to try to, you know, focus yeah. on making sure I, that I could still uh, maintain like my runner's feet and my my fingers and my hands. So, um, yeah, it wasn't 100 percent, but I would say, you know, I'm I. I only occasionally feel, you know, just like a little bit of the tingling feeling still. And neuropathy can be very debilitating, both in your hands and in your feet, especially if for anyone, but if you're a runner, that really can be hard if you don't have the right sensation of where you're putting your foot on the ground. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've heard different versions of neuropathy, um, not just with like the, the numbness, but I think at one point I also had like, I felt like my feet were burning, yeah, <laughs> like, that's it was like they were on fire. And then sometimes when I would run, like, it just felt like, what did I put on, you know, wool socks in summer or what is going yeah. on here? So I, I had like a little bit of that, but I haven't really, knock on wood, <laughs> experienced that um, since finishing chemo. 
Well, thank you for sharing. So before we wrap up, uh, tell me, so it's been a year, like what are your favorite, let's start with what are your favorite plant-based meals? Or if someone wants to go plant-based and they're looking for something really easy, that's fueling, that's got lots of protein, what are we making? Um, I would say my go-to is uh, a tofu stir fry. Um, so that is basically, and I go for the high protein tofu, which you can find um, at most grocery stores, there are there is a section. Um, and the higher protein, like one block can be like 70 grams of protein, yeah. actually. You get a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then I chop it up into cubes. Um, the smaller, the better, because then you, whatever sauce that you put it on, it basically takes, it just soaks up, you mm -hmm. know, whatever that sauce is like a sponge. Um, so I would stir fry it with, well, any vegetables that I have on hand, but I would, I usually do like broccoli, mushrooms, some peppers, like I try to make it as colorful, you know, as many colors of the rainbow as I can. And I just throw it in there, sometimes, you know, cover it just to let some of the vegetables cook with steam. Um, and then decide which kind of sauce you want. I use like, my family likes just teriyaki or uh, some of the Asian sauces, or you could do like Thai peanut sauce or yeah. something like that. And um, usually for me over brown rice, although sometimes I have so many vegetables <laughs> that it doesn't even need that, you know, with the, the tofu together, but that would be my, my go-to. I always like putting a little bit of nutritional yeast on top of it. Because it's an extra source. It's like a little cheesy, but it's got a it's a great source of B vitamins. So I just kind of put that on top. A tofu stir fry is definitely my go-to. And it's so easy. I mean, you can cook it. The nice thing about being plant-based, I find, is that it takes so much less time to make dinner. Because you don't yeah. have to wait for it to cook. Or like like me, I would always forget to defrost something. So you'd come home and you're like trying to rapidly defrost like the turkey or the chicken or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I mean, in my family, I'm the only one that's completely plant-based, but um, my husband is very open to trying anything that I make. So if it is like, if I am making a big batch of stir fry, I'll make a lot and he'll have some, my son will eat that as well. And then um, anything left over, you know, I'll save for lunch the next day. And it's mm -hmm. kind of my version of um, like planning out the meals, but you know. So what do you say to people who want to change their diet and eat more plants, but their spouses or their kids are very much in that meat and potatoes category? And they say, I don't have time to make two dinners, or I don't want to make two dinners. Yeah, I guess I would recommend um, doing it gradually and just making it an adventure, like a foodie adventure. So we're going to try, okay, today, mm -hmm. let's try this and, you know, just kind of make it fun rather than, um, you know, fear-based or anything like that where, well, you know, you shouldn't be eating this or you shouldn't be eating that. Like, um, you know, just, just like, okay, let's, let's all have this and then we can decide, you know, 
thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, that kind of stuff. So make it fun like that. And I would actually say, though, like when you're trying something new and this is something I learned early on, like um, have an open mind to it. So it's not like, uh, you know, if you're trying plant yogurts or something like that, like or uh, something that's substituting for when you would normally have yeah. meat. Mm -hmm. Don't go into it thinking, like expecting it to taste just like what it is substituting for. So like, for example, yogurts, if you're trying the almond based or the yeah. coconut based, you know, what, whatever soy based. Um, when, when you try to like make it taste just like the other, the equivalent that it's replacing, like, I think that's when you know, you might be disappointed and then give up and never try it again. Um, so I try to think about it as adding a new food or a new flavor. And it might not be that you love it the first time that you try it, because um, someone told me that it's kind of like with little kids and you're introducing yeah. like new foods and new flavors, and they might not like it the first time, they might not like it the second time, but like however many times that you try it, mm -hmm. like, I mean, assuming it's nutritious and it's a, something yeah. that you want to add. Um, like now I have so many different options. Like I can pick any of the plant milks. I can pick any, you know, and I, I actually like it for what it is, not for what it's trying to replace. I, I so, think that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the mindset that I have taken and, and just trying to to keep it adventurous and, you know, ex I'll try this as an experiment if I don't like it. You know, that doesn't mean I'll never have that again, but, you know, yeah. just kind of keep an open mind about it. I love all those tips. I will add in, I don't know if this works for adults, but for kids, if you put the new food that you want them to try with something familiar on their plate, you know, if they're having mac and cheese and you want them to try, I don't know, like more vegetables, the familiar kind of can help them be a little bit more comfortable to try something new. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's funny, my kids, like we don't, I bought um, chickpea pasta for years, like even before we were vegan or plant-based, like I bought that. And so my kids don't have any, like if they have pasta somewhere else, they're like, what is this? Like, they're so used to pasta tasting like the chickpea pasta, which does have a different taste that they don't really recognize like normal spaghetti. That is so funny. Yeah. And, and I found that for myself as well. Like the first time that I tried the lentil base yeah. or, mm -hmm. you know, just anything that's not the the regular pasta the first couple times like I wanted to to like it but it just was different and so instead of like the exact same sauce that I would have used before like I try something completely different with a different flavor even so that it you know is its own thing and its own meal um and actually that is another thing that i uh will do to to get like some sources of protein is a lot of like the the lentil pastas and um i think like the edamame based pastas yes, do have mm -hmm. protein as well All so right. you can um, just have that you know with your sauce and yeah whatever else you want. all right last question because i know this will come up Everyone always wants to know, do you use a protein powder? And if so, which one? I feel like there's this mentality, like 
you can't get enough protein and in a plant-based diet. And I completely disagree with this, but I know a lot of people really like the protein powders. So I do. Um, and I do like, I actually like a lot of different ones, but for different flavor reasons and taste reasons. But um, I know you use Vega and yeah. I do mm -hmm. like using Vega as well, but sometimes like, I'll add it to uh, like a, a shake, you know, where I'll get my spinach and fruits and, and, you know, seeds and a whole bunch of stuff together. And with that, I would use usually a Vega. Um, but lately I've also enjoyed, um, there's a brand called Truvani. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. And at least the vanilla one, I've been trying some of the other flavors too, but the vanilla one, only has like five ingredients. So it doesn't have a lot of the extra, you know, a whole bunch percentage of this vitamin and, you know, the, the yeah. whole list of things. It doesn't have all of that or, you know, and the benefits you get from that, some of the protein powders that have that. But sometimes I like that, um, you know, and I'll just have that instead of like drinking soy milk or something like that, just to add to my protein count. Um, so like if I'm having a meal and it's primarily carb based or something like that, um, I'll have that as my drink instead of water or, or whatever else. So, um, so yeah, so that, uh, that's a couple brands, but I've, I've still been experimenting as usual with all different brands as well, but those two, um, are, are some of my go-to brands. Yeah. And because they can taste a little different, I always tell people buy the smallest container that you can yeah. find rather than the giant <laughs> yeah. tub because then you're just like kind of stuck with this thing that you yeah, exactly. like and it tastes weird. <laughs> and, um, all right, Angela, this was wonderful. Where can people find you and connect with you? I know you do a lot on social. I love watching all of your ex like <laughs> runs and your, your lifting and your chat, like workout challenges and all that. Uh, yeah, the easiest place is on Instagram, and I'm at goodrunning26.2. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Angela. I think that there are a lot of great take-home and actionable tips here. If you are trying to incorporate more plants, start trying out plant-based foods. And I think it's important to point out that this is not something that everyone has to do. Um, and it's not something that I, you know, blanketly recommend to all my patients, but we do know that processed meats, red meats, processed foods are carcinogens. And so we try to incorporate more plants into our diet. There's been some data about how eating a vegan diet can help with hot flashes which is something that many cancer survivors experience. And I think it's important to talk about how to do it because transitioning is sometimes not the easiest. Lots of great information on this episode, and I hope that you found it helpful. You can find Angela on Instagram at goodrunning26.2. She shares tons of great resources there. I would really recommend you follow her connect with her and you can find me at Dr. Duplinski on all social media platforms. 
If you found this episode helpful or any others of the podcast, I am always grateful if you can take five seconds to leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts as that helps me to grow the show and bring you to new listeners. Thank you all for being here and I will see all of you soon. Thank you.